We've got a serious seller today controlling multiple eight figures of annual sales on Amazon, who also runs a 3PL warehouse. He sells on platforms I've never even heard of. Plus, somehow he's got the government of South Korea paying him to launch products on Amazon. How cool is that? Pretty cool, I think. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Serious Sellers Podcast by Helium 10. I am your host, Bradley Sutton, and this is the show that's a completely BS-free, unscripted, and unrehearsed organic conversation about serious strategies for serious sellers of any level in the e-commerce world. We've got a serious seller with us today, Sean Chang. Sean, how's it going? Hi, Bradley. I'm good. How are you? Doing great, doing great. Now, I like to start off this kind of like with always the guest, like number one strategy. So something that I actually learned from you the last time I visited you at your warehouse was about Wayfair. So just really briefly, we'll talk about more in detail later, but but in maybe two minutes or so, can, can you talk about what is the Wayfair marketplace? Because I think a lot of people have never even heard of that before. Sure. Yeah. So uh, about two years ago, uh, one of our clients from China wanted to launch uh, floor lamps and some furniture. So that's how we uh, started to set up the Wayfair account. So basically, Wayfair account size and uh, sales volume wise, in furniture section, it's bigger than Amazon. Or comparing to, you know, like Overstock or uh, House type of the other online uh, marketplace or retail retailer side, uh, Wayfair is bigger. Also, it has a, a good uh, price, um, uh, good pricing uh, in overall. So how they quickly grown up and also listed in uh, U.S. stock market is Wayfair doing similar thing that what Amazon been doing it, which is made it as an open market, uh, but they just focus about their um, uh, furniture or outdoor. They started the Wayfair businesses. They uh, you can actually uh, need to have a brand and product, and there's an online application form uh, introducing about your company and product. Then they, if they Wayfair think it's a good product and uh, also ha- has good pricing, then they will contact you to launch your product on Wayfair. That's pretty cool. So it, it's basically like you're saying that for furniture or some categories like that, it's actually better than Amazon. There's more sales there than Amazon. Yes, yes. So our clients selling furniture car- or product in Wayfair and Amazon, uh, actually we are doing both. But sales from Wayfair is an, actually uh, at least of three to five times bigger. Wow. Well, all right. Yeah, I, I want to ask you more questions about that later. But another thing we do at the at the beginning of the episodes is, is we like to get your entire history. So you were not born in in the states. You, you were born in Korea. So growing up, when you were little, you know, like almost like maybe your your current son's age, you know, maybe or maybe you're older, like eight, nine, ten. What did you think you were going to be when you grew up, or what did you want to be? Uh, when I was young, I wanted to be a uh, uh, detective. <laughs> yeah, just, yeah. Nice. So actually, because of that, uh, when I came to US after I graduated uh, university here, I right after that, what I tried was FBI, FBI 
a process of feed agent. Yeah, because that was my dream. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Wow. So you actually came here for high school or for just for university? Just for university. Yeah. After I graduated high school in Korea, then my whole family uh, immigrate to U.S. Yeah. What school did you go out to out here? UCLA. Ah, Bruin. Okay. All right. Cool. So then, what what was your major there? Was it about being an FBI agent, or it was business, or what did you major in? Uh, my major uh, was uh, cognitive science and psychology. Ah, so it was yeah. going kind of like down to the detective route there. Ah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> ah. Now, did you keep going with that? Like, uh, is that what you actually got your degree in? Yeah, yeah. I finished uh, psychology major uh, and uh, cognitive science. Uh, I have actually a few more uh, class left, but I didn't finish that. Yeah. Okay. So then, and then graduating, did you start trying to get a job in that field or, or did you switch to kind of like e-commerce right away? Not uh, so. My first job was like trading and logistic type of international logistic uh, type of uh, job position. As a my, uh, I joined it as a marketing team. Also, kind of like learning about how to import, export, and you know that type of stuff. But you know, you know, I we are living in California, and a lot of uh, products imported by Long Beach or LAX. So I've been thinking that. This area is good to do something, uh, some type of business that uh, I can do something with overseas. So uh, that was the my uh, one of major interest, which is global uh, trading or relationship type of you know building up business. And and during that time, you know, online marketing or e-commerce been uh, getting popular. So. Uh, you know, naturally, I've been uh, focused more about uh, online marketing. Okay. So now when I met you, this was, I don't know, probably like 2014 or, or so, you were working at a, a popular accessory, kind of like a dot-com kind of company. And now at that time, would you say that was it like 80 or 90% of what that company was doing was from their dot-com as opposed to like Amazon or something? Or, or was it 50-50 or... Or how was it like around the time that I met you? Yeah, it was around 2012, 13, around there. And, you know, at that time, that company, uh, major, uh, big portion of uh, revenue coming from Google marketing. Uh, yeah, so Google SEO and, mm. you know, selling like thousands of different products, long tail sales. Uh, but... Uh, during that time, which is 2012, uh, Google, uh, actually Google at that time made a lot of money th through the Google PPC, but uh, Google changed a huge algorithm change uh, for their search ranking, which is uh, shopping keywords. Before, uh, you know, that type of dot-com uh, site was ranked on first page on Google. Uh, depends on how we do SEO and link bidding. But after Google changed that algorithm uh, more organically, uh, which is uh, that major cha algorithm change was, you know, anything major shopping uh, site or review site, regardless of uh, traffic or uh, keyword position or SEO, Google started to put those sites on first page first page of top. Okay. So it was around that time, you know, that myself and, and a 
former business partner of mine, we met you and we talked about phone cases. And I, and I have on this podcast, I've actually told that story before about how, you know, my, my partner brought in the ability to, to produce phone cases. And in the early days, when we first started phone cases, first of all, what was your, this was kind of like you and actually almost all phone case companies nowadays who, who have a lot of success, be it Spigen or other companies kind of maybe owe the idea to you, but what did you do differently as far as the images and things that at that time, nobody in the phone case was really industry was doing on Amazon? You know, it's not that easy to make a really good graphic for the product. So uh, one of the uh, alternative option that uh, I thought about is the 3D rendering. Yeah. And easily, you know, car industry, because, you know, 3D rendering was uh, pretty common in magazine or something, but uh, not for the just you know those IT accessory. So uh, at the time, since in local in locally it was difficult to find a good graphic designer. So uh, instead, to maximize uh, you know graphic, I mean, put a maximum uh, graphic quality, uh, we try to find a good three uh, D rendering uh, designer. So that's what we do. Nobody was doing those those 3D images before back in those days. And now, now, now everybody's doing it. You know, every single company is kind of doing it, like following exactly what you had done, like even the style that you did. And I think that was a big reason for the success. And, and we see that, you know, I remember in the early days, we were bringing containers of these phone cases, selling thousands of units a day. It was, it was, it was insane how we were doing it in those days. So then I've given the story, you know, you and I, and in that original partner, we kind of, you know, formed our own kind of Amazon based company moved out here to, to my house and, and we were doing well. And, and I actually, I had a whole episode guys. I had a whole episode guys. If, go back and do a search, go to helium10.com forward slash podcast and, and look up uh, story time with Bradley about how his other business partner got kidnapped and, and held for ransom. And, and I gave that whole story. That wasn't Sean. Sean didn't get kidnapped. That was our other kind of shady partner. There's part of that I didn't talk about. So, so people know about the story and we won't have to, men- we don't have to mention his name on here, but, but they know about how we got kidnapped by Chinese gangsters and I had to pay ransom. And that was a, a crazy story. But then after that, we, we, we got all of that taken care of and then things were better. Everything was going good. But then you and I started kind of noticing some signs that maybe this guy was trying to maybe do something behind the scenes to us. And so... Do you remember that conversation we had that one night in the car and you're like telling me what was going to happen? Can you talk a little bit about that? We knew that he's been doing something crazy all the time. Yeah. So I, I was putting on, uh, putting attention on it. So, and uh, what happened that day was um, I, it's like a long time ago, so I forgot why, but I, uh, no, I knew that he's gonna move big portion of our inventory to somewhere, and through a different Amazon seller, he's gonna sell same product. I mean, our inventory through that seller. Yeah. So, like in other words, take inventory from our warehouse that we all you know had, and, and like take it and give it to somebody else. Like you predicted that, and I remember I was like, Nah, that's not gonna happen. Like I can't imagine that. But sure enough, the next day he did it, and then. And then like, uh, it was kind of crazy. We, we were able to stop him from doing some. And then I remember you had me go to Best Buy and I had to order all this like camera equipment so that we can make sure he doesn't try and break back into our warehouse. But, but that, that whole part of the story, it just, I think that's important for our listeners to understand that 
even you might have close friends. Like he was my friend for maybe 15 years. Like always have things in writing, always make sure that if you're doing a partnership, everything's out in the open and, and understand that sometimes things might happen where, you know, one member kind of goes crazy and then you gotta be, you gotta be prepared for that and have contingency plans. I mean, he even afterwards tried to steal our trademark for those cell phone cases. It was a big mess, but, but let's fast forward. You know, after that, we were able to kick him out. I myself went back to kind of, uh, you know, the, the corporate world a little bit for a small time and, and you, you kept going with the, with the Amazon business. And, and one thing that you've been doing for a while since that time, which I thought was a kind of unique opportunity. I think it's important for some of our listeners to hear this is, you know, obviously cell phone cases became one of the most saturated markets. So you knew you were not going to make the majority of your sales from cell phone cases, but you being from South Korea and having connections over there, you have this kind of interesting idea that, Hey, there's these foreign companies who maybe are from Korea and they're interested in selling in, in the U S but maybe they're not at the level where they can just go the traditional route and open up a branch office in New York or in California and, and start it with a big marketing budget. Like they can't afford that thing. So Amazon really has an opportunity for some of these foreign companies to, to kind of like say, Hey, you know, you don't have to open up an office. So, so talk a little bit about how, you know, even today, but, but this is how you started too. like what, what kind of offering you were giving to Korean companies to help them kind of get launched in the States. Yeah. So, you know, like many, I mean, most of people think even my friends or my family too, like starting Amazon business is easy and some portion is fact because it's an entry level is easy, but making things successful is different story because it's business and Amazon is one of most saturated market with a huge competition. So, uh, you know, to, which means to, uh, do proper business in Amazon, yeah, like product development, operation, SCM, marketing, customer service, and international logistics, all those things are, are linked and needs to be uh, operated properly. And, you know, to set up that type of infrastructure uh, from overseas companies is very difficult. So uh, what, uh, how I set up the creative direction is, you know, while when we are doing phone case, you know, as you know, I uh, stopped, uh, I decided to stop doing phone case. So one of the reasons is the is phone case market is saturated. Second reason is, you know, we are located in USA, USA and we don't have a factory R&D in-house, which means at the end, you know, if marketing capability or operation capability is similar, then it's all about the product. So what crazy focused about the local service that oversee a manufacturer or brand cannot do it, like uh, local market uh, research or like SCM, uh, you know, supply chain management or, or local marketing or content generation, even, you know, translation, graphics, all that uh, creating or generating contents in, you know, U.S., uh, look and feel type of thing, uh, we are uh, made creative to focus on those. But there are many like marketing companies who can do about the content generation, 
but there's not that many uh, marketing company who have warehouse doing customer service or fulfillment, logistic, you know, labor service. So, um, so our cre- the creative direction was we work with the manufacturer, same as a uh, similar theme as Amazon. We Amazon wanted to work with the manufacturer or brand owner, right? But uh, what we do is factory make a product and we do rest of work in local. I think that's a great model, you know, you, you're talking about. You mentioned a, a lot of different marketplaces. You know, you're selling all over on different Amazon accounts and uh, Amazon Foreign and Wayfair and Newegg and, and Walmart.com. But overall, what would you say are your overall sales that you're generating for either your products or together with your customers that you fully manage? So, like, are we talking 1 million a year, 10 million a year? 30 million a year? What, what's overall? So uh, now about uh, 30 million. Okay, so $30 million a year of sales. And and what are the top, I mean, obviously Amazon USA would be the top marketplace, but what what's after that? What is the next biggest chunk of that 30 million? Then uh, Amazon UK and Amazon Germany, Canada, Amazon Canada, and then uh, Wayfair uh, in yeah, our portfolio. Okay and eBay, and Walmart. Now, just going back a a few minutes to what you're talking about, your business model, I think that's important. I hope everybody was really understood what you're talking about because first of all, that's just a a great business model. I mean, like if you're a foreign company, you know, who's out there and, you know, you you can't afford to start your own Amazon business, yeah, you could could reach out to to companies like Creative to help. But what if you're an Amazon seller? Maybe you're just even a smaller private label seller Guys, you know, like, but but you're from Poland or or you're from Uzbekistan originally or whatever country there is in the world, and you have contacts back home. Well, maybe you could follow a similar model that that Sean did. Now, if you're from Korea, you know, don't go taking into Sean's uh, market share. But but uh, in, in other countries, guys, you know, like use your contacts and say, hey, if there's a popular local brand over there in one of these other countries in Europe or Asia or something. And they're interested in expanding, you know, their sales to the U.S. Well, you know, as a consultant or something, you might be able to help get them onto Amazon and and allow them to do things that maybe they couldn't do on their own because of the language barrier, because of budget constraints. At least that you guys, anybody can do. I mean, it doesn't require a warehouse or anything like that just to help people get on. Now, Sean kind of has taken it to the next level because because like like he was saying, he actually has the A to Z service. You know, he's got a marketing team. He's got a, I went to his brand new warehouse. What is that? 30,000 square foot warehouse and a bunch of, you know, a whole entire team who's doing FBA labeling and storing products. So so if you have those capabilities, well, you can pretty much just offer an, an A to Z service. But I, I think a lot of people out there who are Amazon sellers, yes, make your money on Amazon. Yeah, maybe make your money consulting for other sellers here in the States, but this is another market, uh, another income stream that maybe you haven't thought about is helping companies from from countries that maybe you have ties to to get started on Amazon. So that, that's 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 a pretty cool business model. Now, real quick, you know, talk about how you, not only are you are you just helping just any Korean company or companies from other countries. I know you have a, a few from India and others as well, but but now because of what you did, like the Korean government actually kind of uh, found out what you were doing and, and they were interested, right? Yeah, actually, it's, it's been already live in this year. Uh, so what we did was, uh, you know, uh, 
the you know like Korea or China or I think Japan similar. Yeah, they need to export to U.S. to make revenue and run the country, right? So and so because of that's the government like supporting or exporting company by government is a huge agenda for um, you know those overseas company. I mean overseas overseas uh, governments. So. Uh, there was a chance, I think two years ago, that I had a chance to have meeting with a government officer and they wanted some type of way to help their small medium type of business to sell their product in U.S. market. So, um, you know, but it's not easy because a small company, they don't know about the U.S. market and the trend. There's a lot of regulation. So... Uh, what I suggest, what I propose to them is, you know, crazy knows about U.S. market. So, and government has money or marketing budget to support the local company. And local company has a factory and R&D. So if we link these things properly, then we can develop product with uh, market demand, local market demand. Also, uh, government can support about uh, some uh, marketing funds to run the PPC or any type of other marketing activity. In South Korea, there is uh, eight different uh, province, and one province uh, called Jeollanamdo. Um, they decided to uh, launch their local company's product in uh, their own uh, brand store. Yeah, so uh, which means it means we did the trademark and brand name setup. To open the uh, the government brand uh like brand store or brand registry, uh, we prepare all that those things for last six months. So through that, you know, you know, even small company or unique product, uh, we made a structure that they can launch on Amazon, and uh, if it's se- if it sells, then uh smoothly without uh a uh, major uh, like legal or importing issue, they can supply uh, their product on U.S. Amazon. And we are also working on uh, uh, Europe Amazon too through our, our London office. Guys, that, that's another knowledge bomb right there. So, so think about what he just said, guys. I mean, that's crazy if you think about it. Governments actually subsidizing companies in their localities to sell on Amazon. So like that even takes away more obstacles where you know, government's pockets are, are, are steep and, and they want to have export and, and they want to promote their local businesses, but they're even willing to pay for like, you know, PPC and marketing funds that will even make it easier for you to make money and sell on Amazon. So, and we're not talking, you know, this is not, oh, Sean is dealing with the prime minister of, of South Korea or anything like that. We're, you know, th- this is a local government, you know, is at the kind of like the province level. But guys, if you have ties to other countries and it's something to look into, there might be a local city government or a local district or province government who has certain programs that they have in order to promote local businesses. And boom, that that could be a treasure trove of you know potential right there if you can get the government to actually help some of these businesses hire you basically to to help them sell on Amazon. So that that's pretty cool. Now uh, earlier in the very first part of this, we talked a little bit about Wayfair. Now Wayfair as a marketplace is probably new to many people, but correct me if I'm wrong. It's kind of like Vendor Central, right? Like it's not third party sellers are selling directly on Wayfair. Is that is that how it works? Kind of. 
Yeah, it's uh, like vendor central, which means Wayfair, Wayfair will buy your inventory. Yeah. Uh, but there's a major difference between Amazon vendor central and Wayfair uh, way. Because when Wayfair purchases your product, the purchase, actual PO, uh, purchase order occurs when products sold. So it's like, uh, uh, it's like uh, really, it's not like Wayfair will buy you one container in advance. They they will make a listing on Wayfair, and if your product sell, then monthly they will pay you with certain buying price, and you know selling price, which means a uh, selling price like Vendor Central, you don't have control. So Wayfair will decide and sell with their margin. Also, all the marketing they will invest, but uh, also there's another huge um, difference between Amazon Vendor Central and Wayfair is, even though in the box or on the product you put your logo on it, Wayfair will sell your product under their brand name. So, Wayfair uh, Wayfair Marketplace is uh, more likely, um, I would say, it's for more about your cash flow. So you sell Amazon, you will list your product under your brand name. Shopify also, you know, you sell your product under your brand name and you can build your database. But Wayfair, uh, they will sell no matter what, but um, it's under their brand name. So um, uh, so it's huge difference. So my suggestion about the uh, for furniture category, what uh, you guys can do is just Wayfair side, use it as a, Inventory set through channel. So while you're doing that, uh, through your Shopify store or Amazon or other uh, like house or overstock type of you know like other furniture channel, uh, keep building up your brand name. Then I think uh, that's the point that you can make profit and brand recognition both in certain point. You brought up an interesting point. I was thinking as you were talking, like man, if Wayfair is controlling the price, you know, what if they make it at a lower price than your Amazon listing, then you're going to lose the buy box on Amazon. You know, like if you have a product on walmart.com and it's $5 and you put the price $6 on Amazon, Amazon's going to suppress the buy box. But you're saying that probably Amazon does not, not even relate the two products because on Wayfair, it's not even under that original brand then, right? Yeah, uh, you're correct. Yeah. Okay, cool. That's that that that's good to know. Now that that sounds interesting. Now now you obviously worked on you helped us out a little bit with Project X and our very first shipment of coffin shelves. We actually went to your warehouse and that was in like an episode I forgot like eleven or twelve, where where we opened it up. That was the first time we saw the coffin shelves. Now so you kind of know what that product is. It's not necessarily furniture, but it's kind of a house decor. Do you think Wayfair might be interested in the in the coffin shelf? Yeah, it's good quality product and uh, on Wayfair, not just about furniture, a lot of uh, office or home decoration products selling well in that uh, platform. So definitely it will fit to Wayfair and there will be an interest. Cool. So so using your contact, since you obviously have an account with them, a relationship, how about we try in the next few weeks to maybe give them a proposal to see if they'll they'll put the coffin shelf on Wayfair? Sure. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. All right. So like, let's remember to do that. And then I'll, I'll give everybody an update later on how that went. Now you, you also talked about how, you know, you're, you're not just helping the foreign companies, you know, on Amazon, but you're also doing kind of like three PL services. And 
And w- why would somebody need a 3PL service? I think nowadays people understand that reason, especially since after a coronavirus happened and, and we saw what happened there. But but just for maybe some other people who are new to like Amazon, they might think, wait, why would you ever not want to just send your inventory to Amazon? Can, can you talk really briefly about why in some situations it's good to have a third-party warehouse? Yes, yes. So uh, uh, one, uh, I think first reason is uh, if you're selling just Amazon US, then it's okay. But if you are thinking about Amazon, Walmart, eBay, or all the other channel, uh, then uh, somewhere you need to store your inventory. But as you, so, and fulfill on time, then uh, it's, but it's difficult to use or rent your own warehouse and the labor and, you know, regulation, it's all like complicated. So to manage all those other, uh, like channel, uh, such as Rayfield like that, uh, you will need 3PL warehouse and fulfillment service. Another reason is, um, also the, you know, like Amazon, has been increasing their FBA uh, storage fee, especially October to December, you know, those hot season, storage fee uh, going up like three times or four times, whatever. So it's, and you know, like that will hit your business if you don't manage properly on time. I mean, if you don't manage uh, right inventory level, then you're stuck in a huge storage fee uh, from Amazon, so minimize that uh, uh, situation. Also, local uh, warehouse will be needed. Another reason is, you know, like if you are located in overseas, then uh, the return or replacement type of thing. Yeah. So something happened and your inventory went to unfulfillable or need to ship back to somewhere. But if you are living London. Or selling on Amazon US, then you will need uh, local people's, um, you know, like or s- local warehouses, uh, s- uh, like support to manage those uh, situations. So, uh, in that case, you will need that. Also, uh, another reason is, you know, FBM. So you you can do FBA, but uh, you know, like after this COVID nineteen, you know, Amazon uh, the FBA's process been delayed or limited. Um, I think for a while those th- those it's getting better, but you know it can be happen anytime. So FBM is uh it's really good backup to not to making your listing down from Amazon. It uh, it will affect to the rankings or or sales. So uh to you know keep the your FBM listing and extra backup uh you know buying solution to customer. Uh, local uh, the third-party the 3PS service will be needed. So also, you know, like international logistics, let's say from China to U.S. Amazon, you're sending inventory, but because of custom issue or like logistic issue, if something gets screwed, then uh, probably you need to pay back uh, or ship it back to China or uh, like trash it or there will be a lot of uh, excessive charge can uh, be added. But if you have local uh, 3PL service, then uh, that type of uh, situation by uh, like logistic 
exports. It can be minimized or prevent. So I uh, brought up you know, a few cases, but uh, definitely as long as you uh, build up bigger sales, you need a, a local service and fulfillment customer service all that. Cool, cool. All right, well, there's plenty more questions I have, but this is already taking too long, so I, I, I want everybody to be able to... to not have their head completely explode here. But guys, uh, th this this is great. You know, Sean's a great guy. You know, uh, you can almost trace my Amazon journey back to Sean. Like if my partner had never found Sean's company originally, you know, I never would have gotten into Amazon. So, so indirectly or directly, part of the reason why I'm standing here today is because I originally got connected to Sean and, and we started working on Amazon accounts together. So it's really cool to see you know, I, I remember the very first day I met you, you were just like, you know, kind of like a small office worker, like in the inside of a, a very crowded place in the corner of a room. And, and me, I, I was just coming from a corporate job and I didn't know what the heck I was doing for Amazon. And, and now, you know, six, seven years later, it's kind of crazy to see where you and I have come. But uh, I know I have more questions, but if other people have more questions either about like, you know, how to, how to utilize your services to, to import from other countries or to use you as a 3PL. What's the best way that people can find you guys on the internet? Yeah, you can go to creative.com, uh, K-R-E-A-S-S-I-V-E.com. And there's a contact uh, link. So if you uh, mail uh, your inquiry, then including me, our whole sales and marketing team will receive uh, your inquiry. and. From that part, uh, our team will follow up uh, what we can do it together. Okay, cool. And then maybe next year we'll have you back on the podcast and, and let's see if your sales have increased from 30 to 50 million. But if, if you want to be on the podcast earlier, I know when I, when I went up there last week, you had said you might be interested to buy my Tesla I'm trying to sell. So if you buy my Tesla, maybe I can get you back on the podcast a little bit sooner. Does that, does that sound fair? <laughs> okay. That sounds fair, and I'm interested too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. Thanks a lot for joining us, Sean.